0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. Did you miss us? It's been a couple weeks here. We've had a lot go on since the last time you've heard from us, but we are back with a vengeance and ready to get into 2019. We're going to talk a lot about TCU football, TCU basketball, as well as take a look at the playoff and the championship game, which will take place, uh, we're recording this Sunday night, Monday night, uh, Clemson against Bama, part 19. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, happy New Year to you guys. How are you doing tonight?
1: Happy New Year, Jeff. Doing great, man. It's been a long break for us, hasn't it?
0: It has. I, I, I you wouldn't believe how many DMs I got that said we miss you guys. My life is not complete without the Frogcast. So, uh, well, Daniel, it, you,
1: it, it, it takes so much to get this thing going with everyone's schedule and everything. It just
0: it prolongs
1: does. it sometimes
0: and it is it is needless to say my busiest time of the year <laughs> you know i i have a few things going on at work during uh, late december so it could it could derail us a little bit but you know with the six figures that we make off this show we probably should have recorded oh, yeah, but we'll, sure. we'll we'll be all right daniel new year started off all right for you my friend
2: pretty uneventful but that's fine i mean i like it that way
0: Good. Well, let's uh, let's roll right into this. It feels like an eternity ago, but it was just a couple weeks. But we had the Cheez It Bowl. Depending on who you ask, this was either the best bowl or the worst bowl. All I know is that Cheez-It's got its money worth from this bowl in terms of marketing. It lit up Twitter. It was the number one trending uh, topic on Twitter the night of the TCU Cal game. And uh, I, I, every, almost every single bowl game I watched after the Cheez-It Bowl made some reference. Every time there was an interception, they're like, here comes the Cheez-It Bowl part two. Uh, so needless to say, folks know about it. People uh, watch the game. If you're a Frog fan, listen to this. You probably have already forgotten about pieces of it. But uh, let's just take a moment and recap this. Uh, Jeremy. There's no other way to say it. This was an ugly game. You're not going to disagree yeah. with me, are you?
1: No. I felt like a NASCAR fan that goes to the NASCAR races and just watches cars go round and round a circle. But they're really there to watch the crash. And I I just – it was – someone described it as beautifully bad football. I couldn't take my eyes off of it. I mean, obviously, I've got to cover it. But I, it was so fascinating, just the, the quarterback play and – um, the, the defense defense was, was really good on both sides and, 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 really Cal came into that game with the top six. I mean, they were number 16 in the country, so it wasn't like it was a, against a defense that didn't have a pulse. I mean, that's what they were known for this year, but it was a, it was a fascinating game. It, it was a fun game to cover because there wasn't a lot of scoring, so I didn't have to write a whole lot, but, um, <laughs> the, the interceptions was, 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 uh, just. It was fascinating. I couldn't get over it, man. And, and, and I will say this, and, and I, I don't think I've posted this on the board, but I was told that now all you guys I hate the coaches, I don't know what coach it was. I think it was probably a GA. But anyway, the explanation I got for the first interception, because everyone kind of watched it, and they, they saw Grayson throwing, they saw Jarrison not looking back, and it was kind of like a head scratcher where you have two fifth-year seniors or at least a fifth-year senior in Grayson and, and a senior in Jarrison not communicating. But I was told that Grayson had a, a, a pass play signaled into him. jerison had a pass play signaled into him, but it was the wrong route. And so Grayson through the route, he was signaled to throw and jerison didn't run that route because he was signaled a different route. So that's why it was an interception where he didn't even look back and, and, and look back for the ball. But, uh, the, well that
0: gets us it, down to eight interceptions, which yeah, totally well, changes the game. <laughs> but,
1: but, but I was told after that interception, it was really in Grayson's head that it it, it just stuck with him. It it really did. And if you watch the rest of the game, I mean the the crazy throwback play, which that play by the way worked beautifully last year with Kenny Hill running it. Uh but the one play where I was just kind of like, Oh, Grayson, man, you were trying way too hard was the play where he threw the ball three yards past the line of scrimmage and it got intercepted, and he could have, he might have scored on a run, if he would have ran. I mean, he might have run it. Yeah, he might have scored because there was it, the only guy in between him was one guy and the other guy that was covering the receiver, and it, it was just, it was just to that point where I, I felt terrible for Grace and I know he's trying so much to help the team win. I think he just put too much on his plate to try to make too many big plays, but. To sum it up, man, it was just... It it was ugly. It was atrocious offense. I don't think they got Jalen involved enough, but Jalen was kind of limping around. I will say that. But <laughs> a win is a win. Somehow or another, this dang team managed to win seven games. They limped the whole way through the season. They somehow finished 4-1 and one on the season. And above 500 in a year where I think Gary Patterson will look back and say man if there's a year where I think I might have done a pretty good job coaching it wasn't the Rose Bowl it wasn't it wasn't the Peach Bowl it wasn't any of those years it was this year because they had so much adversity man just so much and for them to finish 7 and 6 I know it was not you know the expectations all of us wanted to see this year, but man, just the way the season progressed and the way it played out for them to get seven wins and and to finish it off with that kind of game was perfect. It was nothing less than perfect. It just you couldn't ride it any better.
0: No, that was a great way to end in the season. You know when you look back, they won three of the last four games. They're able to beat. Baylor and Oklahoma State, both of whom won their bowl games, by the way, against SE. Scored a ton of points. yeah, Oklahoma State beat a really good Missouri team that was a yeah. couple plays away from, you know, I think from being a 10-win team. And so when, when you kind of set it in that context, you're able to celebrate this season. And, you know, for all the venting and frustration and message board heroes and, you know, keyboard courage this season, I'm really proud of the way that this team finished. And I, I'm going to go ahead and, and agree with you in terms of, hey, the, I think the staff did a great job. Patterson, Coach Patterson did a great job of getting them to this point. And so when you look at the way that this uh, season ended on the Cheez-Its Bowl everybody remembers the interceptions but everybody else remembers that incident right at the end of the of the game in in <laughs> overtime I I listen to college football podcasts uh if, if you're not obviously you need to subscribe to the podcast uh, to the Frogcast. but I listen to uh, uh podcast ain't played nobody the audible with uh, Bruce Feldman as well as uh, Dan Wetzel and uh Pat Forty's podcast, and they do all college football. They do a great job. All three of those podcasts are great. All three of them that are probably the three most popular podcasts outside of the Solid Verbal and the Frogcast, they all talked about Mark Cohen getting trucked on the field, drawing a 15-yard penalty on a play that could have ended the game. And so we can laugh about this now, but man they would they would be treating Mark Cohen like a Chicago kicker if uh if he had run it back in there, and it might have stopped him from winning the game but there's a couple of insights about that, Jeremy, I want you to share yours, and then i'm going to share what I've got. Everybody knows what they were feeling when they <laughs> saw that penalty, and the nicest guy in the world, like the most family oh, man. man you'll ever Damn meet, yeah. just gets trucked <laughs> by the I, rest. I felt
1: I felt so bad for Mark because, like you said, man, he is. Such a nice guy. And yeah, you could say, well, yeah, nice guy shouldn't be doing that. I, I'm sorry, man. I, I just know – I know, Mark, I, I know it's tough to not get excited, especially that kind of game, and you're watching from that point of view. You don't worry about the dang ref that's 20 yards behind the play. I mean, I, I, I can understand where he's coming from. I, I, I really, really do. I stood next to the guy in 2015 when uh, Tank, tank – uh, not Tank, uh, Ty – Summers and Julius Lewis tackled the Baylor running back for no gain on fourth down and everyone just rushed the field. And I think Mark was the first one on the field, but it, it was funny because I was told after a couple days after that game, and I was just talking to someone about the whole play and everything. And and oddly enough, uh, they told TCU and they told coach Patterson had Juwan scored on that play. They weren't going to throw the flag. And I kind of scratched my head. I was trying to figure out why they wouldn't throw the flag, but that's just what they told Coach P. Uh, had Jawan taken it back to the house, yeah, that that would have been that would have been a touchdown. But since he didn't score, and since the guy interfered with, uh, since Mark interfered with the ref, they had to throw some kind of foul. But I don't know, Jeff. You're a ref. I I, I didn't know. The, I didn't ask for deep explanation. I, that's just what I was told.
0: All right, I'm on a couple of message boards for officials, and they always have live game threads about you know stuff that's going on, NFL games, bowl games, that kind of thing. This is the best knowledge that I have. Now, I only do high school. I, I've, I've worked a scrimmage for college, but I don't do college ball. Ugh, this is going to sound real technical. A live ball foul against a non-player is treated like a dead ball foul. And dead ball fouls are administered after the conclusion of the play at the seceding spot. So what that means is, let's say it's not overtime. Let's say Johnson intercepts the ball and he gets down to the, uh, to the 20. And, you know, TCU is about to be in business at the 20. What that means is that he gets to the 20, but then we come back 15 yards to the uh, 35, so if if Johnson would have run it back which would have been two points to win the game because you can get two points on that play the penalty would wouldn't have mattered because the game would have been over there would be no succeed, succeeding spot for the ball for the penalty to be enforced from so if Johnson runs it back in overtime and the frogs in the frogs get that score the play stands the 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 score is good and there's no penalty to administer because the game is over so right. that is that is my understanding from people that I trust now if somebody knows better let me know. But guys I know that do college and I reached out to a couple of friends, that's what they told me would have happened there. So <laughs> that when does the Frogs make sense get the ball back, that's why you come back to the yeah. forty. So if you remember the Frogs are at the forty there and not the twenty five. Yeah. in overtime because it's the next spot where that penalty is administered from.
1: Well that that, that makes that makes perfect sense then because obviously Cal didn't score, so had Jawan scored, that would have been end of the ball game. So you're yes. right. I mean, so yeah. So I guess Mark, if Jawan wouldn't, have, if Juwan would have scored, then Mark doing that wouldn't have cost them the win. So I guess all no, the, would not have. I guess all the hypotheticals about if Coach Patterson would want Mark or Mark fired can go out the door. Yeah. Now we all know that Mark Cohen did not cost TCU the game. Now we could all sleep no, better he- at night.
0: Well, he didn't toss them the game because they won. And they I can't believe that. I mean, you go back and they drove 40 yards to or, – or they started at the 40 and they got in for Jonathan Song to kick that field. How about that college kicker? It was nice to see Jonathan Song get
1: that. Yeah, there were some – do we want to Do we want dive into the crazy moments or do we want to talk about the hero of the game first?
0: Uh, give me a crazy moment.
1: Well, I mean, the crazy moment to me was – you're going to kick no you're not going to kick no you're going to kick I'll no, get over here no you go in there I mean just the back and forth with Bunce and song on that 44 yard this after they it, they were just trying to they were just trying to finish the game in regulation they were just running Shea up the middle and he's the hero of the game by the way uh yes and I'll be darned if he didn't just take it you know 33 yards and you know, here they are. They're in prime position to win the dang game. And then you have Grayson throw a, a pass that resembled a, a pass from a college quarterback. He lo- <laughs> he lo- he looked like that. that and, and Jalen Austin, for what it's worth, created some separation. I mean, it was like <laughs> the, it was like a beautiful moment. I mean, these these two things were aligning. Grayson throws a perfect pass. Jalen Austin has separation. It, it was the the craziest thing we had seen yet. Uh, from those two in the game, and you you set yourself up perfect to kick, but man, I I'm 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 very pessimistic, and I think every TCU fan can agree that you're 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 not near. I mean, you're not even even in the same universe uh, as far as optimism goes when you when you have uh, a kicking or kicking a kick field goal these days w- compared to when Jaden was there. Jaden goes out there, Jaden. and you're like, Oh, he's got this. We're winning. This is a crazy. Come, this is a crazy way to finish a game. But man, I knew as soon as they start switching the kickers, it, it, it didn't matter the the ice, the switching the kickers and all that, it didn't matter. No. If, if Cole Bunce went out there or Jonathan song, they were not going to make that field goal. Did you not see the 40 yard attempt from Bunce against Oklahoma state that didn't even make it to the, to the goalpost? Ugh. I mean, it, that's, that's what I'm saying. I, they're good from 30 to 40, anything above 40. I kind of get, uh, I'm, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on it, but I mean, you got to give credit to Jonathan song to end the game. They, they set him up perfect, put them right in the middle. He, he knows it when it counts, but yeah, the whole, uh, I made a comment on the board that the whole changing of the mind, that's, that's, very similar to what it's like for me to cover the recruiting aspect sometimes because sometimes they like kid, sometimes they don't. Then they say they lock them, then they don't lock them, then they lock them, and who knows?
0: Yeah, who knows is right. So, who knows is right. I I, I felt like Coach Patterson was icing his own kicker.
1: It was not Coach P. It, you know, if you go back, I know, and watch,
0: I know it, it was.
1: If I you know. go back and watch that, he's talking to R.J. Fleming. Which RJ Fleming was GA and and he actually just took a job at Liberty, uh, but they uh, he was talking to someone up in the uh, up in the booth and they were the ones relaying it to RJ and RJ was telling Coach P. So apparently where they were set up to end the game, they they went with Cole because in pregame I guess Jonathan wasn't hidden from that because if you ever go to a game. Get there about an hour before the game, those kickers go through every different spot to kick. And it's like that with any team. They're going to go out there and warm up. They're going to kick them from this angle, this angle, straight on, whatever. And I guess for whatever reason, they it, it took them a, a second to realize, hey, Jonathan didn't make – he wasn't as good as Cole from that distance and, and from that angle in pregame, we need to go with Cole. And so that's, that's what happened there with that whole situation.
0: Gotcha. Well, let's go ahead and transition here. You mentioned uh, Shaywo and how well he played in this game. Definitely the MVP of this game. So we have got another challenge coming back next year where we've got two strong backs and we've got to figure out how to get them both the ball and be able to uh, you know, maximize both their skills in terms of what they do when they get the ball and what needs to happen to get the ball in their hands. Darius Anderson has announced he's coming back for this season. It looked like there were questions about him going pro, but he is back. You know, Daniel, we look at next year, we got Shewo coming off of a, a, a great game, his best game ever, and it's not even close as a Frog. And I thought I thought maybe last year in the in the Alamo Bowl was his best game ever, but he shows up big in bowl games. He did well against Cal. H- how do you see the offense being able to balance with both Sheawo and Darius Anderson next year in the backfield? Do you think the Frogs are going to be able to maximize both of them and be able to get the ball into both of their hands and keep them happy with their carries? Because I I think this is kind of one of the – the behind closed door struggles of, of who do you, who do you feed? Who do you get the ball to?
2: Honestly, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it may depend on, well, like this year, you weren't really sure who was actually doing well because the line play was so poor, uh, aside from, you know, a few bright spots here and there, but overall, it, I mean, it came together towards the end, but overall, eh, it was tough, but, you've got to go between those two. And then depending on who quarterback is, what the passing situation is going to look like. It's, it's a tough call. I th- feel like they'll probably try to go balanced at the first. And if somebody breaks out as just the, the, the clear leader, they might just go with them uh, whether it be Darius or Shewo, Um because you got to go with your best guy generally. And if the line play is good or at least improved, then um, I think we'll have a chance to see uh, either one of them, uh, you know, take the, uh, I don't know, limelight, I guess, uh, be the better one.
0: Be the featured back, really.
2: Featured back. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm trying to think of. So we'll see, but it, it's a tough call.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be a tough call, Jeremy. What do you know that went into his decision to return? Because I think there, had, I think there had been some smoke about him maybe going pro.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there was only smoke because you saw the Twitter stuff from his mom and you know acting like, no, nobody was really happy. But he really needed to go back. I mean, he he wasn't going to get a good grade. He didn't have a lot of tape out there on him this year. Uh, he still has to work on pass protection, but. It's one of those deals where they have a lot of guys coming back that can that can really help the offense and there's just really one one key piece missing and that's a quarterback. I mean, if they can find a quarterback, then I think they'll be good offensively. I think the offensive line's gonna improve if, if we go back and look at two thousand sixteen. They weren't great up front, but two thousand seventeen they were a strength and uh, I, I think that's what you have with this line right here. They were young and experienced, but I think you come back, you're under their belt, and they'll play better. But uh, I, I I don't know what convinced him to stay. All I know is that I I was told he was going to stay well before he even tweeted it out or whatever. I think I made a smart but comment on the board when it was tweeted out. <laughs> I said, man walks on the moon, because I'd posted that he was going to be staying a couple of weeks before that. And I don't know why he waited so long to, to announce it publicly, but it, it, it's good news all the way around for the frogs.
0: Yeah, it is good news. And it's a good problem to have of which of your great running backs, both of whom I think will be in the NFL, get the ball. So that's, that's good news. We'll, we'll have some weapons because as we saw this year, you're, we are always one play away from the next guy coming in. Hopefully we won't have the injuries we had last season, uh, one other guy whose status seems to be up in the air, Lucas Niang. You have you broke the story that he about uh, the grade that he got back from the draft board. Give us a little update about what you heard and what we know right now in terms of Lucas Niang coming back for the 2019 season. Big, big key to the offensive line next year.
1: Yeah, it's still up in the air. I mean, he got he got the grade back, and 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 the way they do draft now is is they're not going to tell you if you're a first or a second or a third through seventh which is the way they used to do it, but with this advisory committee now, you just get a, if you're not basically a first round or high second, you get told to go back to school and, and that's what he got, but uh, I've been told a, a couple of different things. I've been told that his, his, some of his family uh, wants him to go ahead and, and declare, and uh, I've been told that he hasn't made up his mind yet. They're still gathering information on everything. If I was to pick right now I would say it's probably uh 60 40 that he comes back 60% 40% that he comes back I think another year for him will do some do some really good stuff uh, I think the problem with uh, some of these folks that you and, and pro football focus is a great great tool to look at it they do a they do a great job but I think some of the players in their mind when they see hey I'm one of the top linemen on pro football focus those guys aren't gms they're not scouts and, you know, with NFL teams, it's you know, they they're basically like a lot of us do when we do our national recruiting evaluations. When I go out and look at a kid and I'm evaluating them, I'm not part of TCU staff. I'm not gonna be able to extend this kid an offer. Um and and sometimes I think that's where pro football focus has some of these some of these players thinking that they're a little bit uh kind of a higher draft pick than than what they really are. But uh, I think another year with him under Coach Thompson will benefit, and it would obviously be really big for TCU to get him back uh, and, and and play some play some right tackle. Because man, I tell you what, he out of the linemen this year, he did do the best, and, and he has got a a very high ceiling. And I I just think if he sticks sticks around for another year, I mean you can you can see him probably you know up in his draft status by at least a round or two.
0: Yeah, I hope he comes back as well. Not just for selfish reasons that I think he'd be the anchor of the offensive line and one of the best linemen in the Big Twelve, but I think it would be good for him for his draft status, like you said. So, hopefully, we'll have some news, and when when that happens, we'll we'll have the inside scoop here at uh, the Frogcast. Let's look at grad transfers. We're going to get the highs and lows of the season here right after this. But you know, Jeremy, we've got uh, we're on the market for possibly a grad transfer at quarterback or at defensive end, real quick, is there any update that you have for us right now at either one of those positions?
1: I mean, with uh, grad transfer at quarterback Tyree Jackson, it looks like he's declared himself eligible for the NFL. So, uh, I mean, that that's something, someone that TCU gauged interest on. And I know people want to keep talking about Hurts. And until Hertz comes out publicly and says he's transferring, I'm not going to talk about it. All I'm going to say is that... Uh, when people come to the board and they see a graduate transfer at defensive end or graduate transfer at quarterback, is TCU interested? Number one, give me more than two minutes to find out. I mean, everyone finds these grad transfer. Oh, is there interest? Let me just let me just send out an answer just as clearly as I can. Yes. Yes. If they, if, if, if they're, if they're halfway decent, then yes, TC is going to have an interest in any quarterback that's a grad transfer or defensive end, as long as they're pretty decent players.
0: Good answer. And so um, what about Jalen Hurts? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's all people are living and dying with. And right can now. I say something? I mean, it,
1: I'm, I'm going to, probably get some heat on this, but man, if you, if you hear something and your, your first teamers are out there talking, you know who you are. You got this information. Please be smart about it. Seriously, please be smart about it. Don't go to boards posting about what you're hearing because it is the dumbest, dumbest, dumbest thing you could do is go out there and post <laughs> stuff to the board about it. Because I know, cause Oh, Oh, Oh Tom, he's heard something. And 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 James has heard it too, and you know, we're hearing a lot of this good stuff and and you know what? I need to go post it on the board that I know or that my friends know. Don't do it. It's dumb. You're gonna get people in trouble.
0: (laughs) Yes. Don't do it. Yeah. It's funny. There's a lot of, there's, you know, this is a different, people always ask me, because I'm not a huge NFL fan. I just, I mean, I, I watch it a little bit, but people always say, why don't you love, uh, why do you like college more than NFL? And it's that right there. Because people actually know people that know something or know just enough. Everybody's got a buddy that was like in their fraternity that is the... Uh, f- you know, like the assistant media manager to the associate AD and they heard and it's actually maybe possibly a source and then they just go and blast it all yeah. over message boards, which I know which is why message boards were created to drive crazy fans like us crazy. But that said, man, if, if you got some like actual insight, uh, may, maybe just sit on it because you know we're gonna we're gonna find out a lot in the next week or two, especially with a certain quarterback that I have no information on. By the way, uh, he's he's gonna let everybody know what he's doing, and uh, if you know, just take delight in knowing. One of my favorite moments ever. Uh, one of my favorite insights ever about college sports and insiders was um, Pony Access, the old thirty for thirty on on SMU. Oh yeah, yeah. And they they had no, they were interviewing Norm, and they were talking about the boosters, and he said, "Here's the deal." If you're a booster, you can't talk. You can't go to a bar and start chirping and bragging about how you got Eric Dickerson here, or somebody's going to start talking and you're going to get in trouble. And the problem is, people don't want to know. They want people to know that they know, and those are two different things. Oh yeah, those those are two different things. Like, I mean, I you've told me a couple things every now and then. I'm like, I'm really glad I know that, but I can't go tell the world that I know that. And if you know something, just take delight in knowing it. Don't don't take delight in letting people know that you know. Those are absolutely two different things. So that that's my little soapbox that I, I guess I would cosign with what you said.
1: Yeah, I mean that there's a there's a lot of people on on Horned Frog Blitz that have been around the program a lot longer than I have, have better connections than what I have, know more than I know, but they never post the stuff. They don't. I mean they 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 know what's best. <laughs> And, and and they don't they don't need to to get out there and and post. Hey, I know something, and 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 I got a lot of people that will come to me too, and they'll be, they'll be like, Hey, have you heard anything about this? Because this is what I'm hearing. And sometimes I haven't heard anything. Sometimes I have, and I'm keeping quiet on things for a reason. Um, and just and just respect that. Sometimes.
0: I respect your decision. Respect my decision. I, I, will, respect. I will. Okay. Thanks. I will. Daniel, one quick question on that. It's especially if if we're not able to land a grad transfer quarterback. Uh, You know, we saw Justin Rogers come in there for a couple games in the in the uh, Cheez It Bowl, and I got to tell you, I loved watching him take that defensive end and just or that linebacker and just shove him to the ground. They had gone on about how he had one foot, and then they he just goes and plows that guy that has a straight shot at him. So I was excited to see him do that. But if the frogs can't land a grad transfer. You got a banged up Michael Collins. You got a banged up, but recovering Justin Rogers, and then you got a true freshman in Max Duggan. Which of those three do you think would be the starting quarterback? Do the frogs just roll with with Justin? Do the frogs just roll with Duggan, or do you take your chances on what we know with Michael Collins? What what's your thought on the quarterback race?
2: Uh, It's going to have to depend on how spring ball goes. You know, we don't know what Duggan's going to do once he gets here. We hope we know what Duggan's gonna do. Um, Justin Rogers, we had all the high hopes for, but with the foot problem, we just don't know how he's gonna do. Um, so I, I guess right now i would I would think I would hope at just based on the what limited knowledge I have and, and without any um, examples of of what we're getting, in spring ball. Let's go with Duggan.
0: There's I a think, hot sports opinion. That's yeah. why you listen to this show. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't
2: blame him. I, I talked
1: to Drew Davison about this, and I think he quoted me on a couple things, too, on on his quarterback story. Uh, Name drop. <laughs> Drew listens. So, hey, hey, what's up, Drew? Um, no, <laughs> what's up, Drew? No, but it's, you know, Mike's not going to go through spring. I think he'll be ready by the fall. I think, the starting quarterback for the fall, if, if they don't get a grad transfer is going to be Mike. I think we all saw Justin. Uh, it, he still got a long way to go. What's funny is like we hear these fans, Hey, let him play. Let's just see him play. And then when they play him, they're like, why'd you let him play? Why'd you call two pass play? I mean, just it, I, I get that. I mean, it was kind of, it was kind of funny, but uh, I, I think, Above all, everyone saw how long or how far Justin has has to come with that. and the people that are that are saying that we're making it more than what it is or the coaches are making it more, they're not. Just please believe me, they're not. It's a very serious situation. It really, really is. And I have full faith that Justin's working hard to hard to get better and and, and get that thing held up. But sometimes with that kind of injury, and I've said it on here before, boys, is no matter how hard you work at trying to get that better, sometimes it just doesn't work out. And and it's it's right now he's he's worked in rehab so hard that you would think the kid would probably run a four or three right now. And he's just he's he's facing that injury, that that kind of nerve injury with the drop foot and stuff like that. You just got to trust your body to heal it right. I mean, it, it, but I will say this: people thought the same thing about Jalen, Jalen Smith. They didn't know if he was going to play the Cowboys' linebacker, and look what he's doing now. So you have hope for what he can, for what Justin can overcome. But what I told Drew was in regards to Duggan: is it's it's not so far fetched to believe a true freshman quarterback could come in, especially with the situation they have right now. With Mike Collins, with Justin, if they don't get a grad transfer, <clears throat> if he's good enough, you're going to have to put him out there. Yeah. I mean, you, if he's better than what you got with Collins and Rodgers, and we've seen it where it's worked before. Uh, I mean, look at look at uh, Alabama. I mean, Alabama's always got Tua, and Tua's amazing. But even when Jalen Hurts was a freshman, he led Alabama to a, to a, uh, national championship. And so everyone's going, okay, come on, Clark. I mean, we're talking Alabama here. They got studs all around them. If you want to look close to home or close to conference, look at what Iowa state did this year with Brock Purdy. No, so Brock Purdy was what third or fourth on the depth chart coming into the season. They didn't even know if they were going to play him. And, if finally got to the point where he was playing so good in practice, they they thought let's let's see what he can do. He totally flipped their season around. I, I'll tell you right now, if Brock Purdy played against TCU in Fort Worth, that oh, would have been a loss for lose. the Frogs.
0: That's a loss. It would have been no, a loss no for the Frogs. It
1: would, it would have been a it would have been a different game for them. Um, and,
0: and what in what Purdy had is is what I see that the Frogs gonna have. They've got they had David Montgomery in the backfield. Yeah. Big solid exactly. back. They had Butler out wide, and so if you think, hey, we got a, a, an improved and more experienced offensive line. You got Jalen Rager out there. You got, uh, as we talked about, Anderson and Shea Woe in the backfield. Hopefully, some development at wide receiver. That in that I that defense is going to be salty next yeah. year. I, we'll talk about that all summer. But I'm really high on the defense next year. There's no reason Max can't do that. There's no reason he can't do that. And that's
1: that's that's the closest example that I could get for you guys because you've got, like you said, Jeff, you got two great running backs coming back. You've got uh, almost your whole offensive line coming back. You've got arguably one of the top two most explosive players in the conference coming back, and Jalen Rager. And you're going to have some holes, to, some shoes to fill on defense, but as long as Gary Patterson's calling that defense, you're going to have a strong defense. And I've already, I've already told you guys before, I think I've covered this team for a very long time. I've seen a ton of quarterbacks come through the system. I've seen a ton of quarterbacks at camps. And I told you guys what two weeks, three weeks, four weeks ago, however many weeks ago it was that the only arm I can compare Duggan to is Trevon Boykin. And, Trevon basically broke a kid's finger at a camp one time. He was throwing the ball so hard, and kids were cutting in line to try to get out to run deep patterns for Trevon because he was throwing the ball 65 yards in the air. And that's the kind of arm Max has. Max has a very strong arm. He's got a very accurate arm. And guess what? He's going to be the fastest quarterback on their roster, and it's not even going to be close. So if you you, you look at the – Look at it the way things are setting up. If he's the best one that they have going forward, you're going to have to play him. And if you want to look even closer than Iowa State, just look at last year at TCU. When Sean Robinson was backing up Kenny Hill, how many times did we have to hear, put Sean Robinson in there, put Sean Robinson in there? Or even this year, (laughs) even this year, how many times did we hear, put Justin Rogers in there? Man, if Justin Rod put Mike Collins. Man, well, in no, no, I'm I'm just talking about true freshmen. I'm just talking about true okay, freshmen. Okay. How many times, man, if Justin Rogers was just healthy? So mm-hmm. there's no reason why TCU fans shouldn't be saying the same thing about Max because Max is equally as talented as a as as a guy like Sean Robinson and Justin Rodgers. So just just be pre- be prepared for it, just in case and. Last spring, I told you guys, hey, there's a little bit of a quarterback battle. And I got a lot of meh, poof, all that crap. If there's one this year, believe me. Believe me this time. Because I'm not just trying to fool you, fill you guys with a bunch of bull crap. I'm calling it like I see it and like I hear
0: it. Hey, I believe you. I believe you. Well, we decided right before the show that we wanted to uh, do one thing to highlight the end of the 2018 season. We want to do the you know just a little some highs and some lows, just one big memory that was awesome and maybe one big memory that was not so awesome. We all three pounced on the same play at the beginning in terms of worst play of the season, darkest moment of the season. Jeremy, you you tell us what it was. Daniel, you give us some commentary that you shared with us before, and then we'll kind of make our way around to uh, see what we have as our, our low points and our high points for the 2018 season as we put a bow on this football season. What do you got, uh, The low
1: point for me was the the throw uh, from Sean against Texas that was intercepted where he threw it to Brandon Jones. Brandon Jones where's number 19. He threw it right between the one and the nine. and Standing behind Brandon was a wide-open Jalen Rager that would have caught the ball and walked into the end zone for a score. And I think that that moment right there might have changed the season for TCU because they were already leading, and if they score that touchdown right there, that go-ahead touchdown, the lead would have gotten even bigger. And yet we get that interception – We're still talking about it months later. Gary Patterson still can't figure out who Sean was throwing to, what he was watching. That play right there, I think, was the lowest point of this season.
0: Daniel, what was your takeaway from that play? Because we've hashed through that on the show and off the show, but uh, you had some pretty sharp words for that.
2: I don't remember what I said in the past about it. But I remember sitting close to the moon up at, in the stadium, <laughs> pretty close. Um, I could see the curvature of the Earth. Anyway, it was it was just it was mind-boggling. We weren't even mad because it's like, how do you make that throw? This isn't right. There's something there's something haywire here with this quarterback situation. We've been frustrated, yeah, but no one should make that dumb of a move. And I mean, we were I mean, we were mad, but we weren't like pissed because it was just a, a uh you know, drat, another interception. No, he threw it to a one wide open guy instead of the other wide open guy who was many yards down the field. I mean, there's there's just no way that happens. It was mind-boggling. And I think that changed like Jeremy said, uh, the, the season, um, I think the team realized uh, something was not right, or at least it affirmed it even further. And for the fans, I think we realized something wasn't right. And there, just, there was something wrong about this season. And uh, I haven't watched it because it was a loss. So when I got home, I didn't like watch it because who wants to do that? So I just have the one memory looking down six miles. And, and seeing from my viewpoint, you could see here's one ant and a few inches up, there's another orange ant or orange ant here, purple ant up here. And he, anyway, I'm making jokes that we set so high up, but in case no one <laughs> knows what I'm talking about, it was, it was did, white, a
1: white ant with a purple head.
2: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's right. And, uh, So just awful and just, you know, uh, whatever it was, it was bad. It was, so it's everything I just said. It was just a mess.
0: Yeah. It felt like it broke the season in half and they, they really didn't recover until honestly, they didn't really recover until the the last three games of the year. I know we squeezed that K-State win in there, but that was, that really kind of broke the middle of the part of the season and, but also, I, you know, I'm not an X's and O's genius. I, I know just enough to be dangerous. But I know, and I've ac- unfortunately gone back and watched that play, Sonny had been sitting on that play. And, and, and what the, the, the route that, that Rager ran, they cleared everything out. And Jalen's standing there by the pylon, essentially by himself. And they had been sitting on that play for that moment in order to run it. And all he has to do is just put a little air under it, throw it to a, a stationary target, and the frogs go up by 10 and that i mean that just changes everything that changes everything in that game psychologically and that changes everything for that game going forward and and it just it just broke it you know, and, and I, I felt like it took three or four weeks in order to put the pieces back together. You know, uh, you know the frogs lose that, that game against Tech. They obviously lose in Kansas. They get blitzkrieged by West Virginia. It just it kind of brought everything to a halt in that season. And we didn't really get any glimmers of promise until the last couple of games of the year. So it was it was a tough thing to it was really tough to watch, especially when you know what what could have happened. That doesn't mean the frogs are going to go ten and two. It doesn't mean they're in the Big Twelve title game. But you know. If we could have beat Texas again, that sure would have been nice. Uh, If if we could have been able to uh, recover and, and win two or three more games the rest of the year, that would have been nice. But as it stands, that moment happened, and I think we're all in agreement that that was the darkest moment of the season. Well, where do we turn for highlights? I mean, we all, we all can, you know, I, I guess we could talk about anything else that was negative, but uh, I, I was going to say the butt fumble <laughs> against Kansas. I mean, you can just kind of put Kansas underneath an umbrella. We're not going to talk about that, but that bump fumble was, was just so depressing, but the other, I guess, third down defense at Lawrence is probably what I would say. That that's one of the un unrecognized dark moments of the season was the third down defense against Kansas, who just torched us. I mean, they made us look like we were they were uh, you know they were playing Madden. But and that
1: that was that, was, uh, uh, that was the quarterback's best game of the year. By the way, that was his that was oh, his yeah. highest throwing yards of the season was against the number one pass defense in the Big Twelve.
0: You know what else I heard? I have a friend that's a Ku fan, and he's not—he's not a loser like we are that lives and dies with it. But he does know enough, and he said that they were going to fire him after that game, and they had had it all. And Jeff Long had it all planned out, but then—but then they won, and he had to wait a week. <laughs> so if you go back and oh, look, man. he got fired the week after, and we—we we saved his job. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I know. So uh, a butt fumble extended his contract one more week. So. Wow. Well, what do we got as the highlights of the season?
1: I think you can, as as easy as you can put an umbrella for the bad moments for the Kansas loss, you can put an umbrella for the for the good moments in the Baylor win. But I I will never down to the, what was it was it the third was it fourth and two or third two I cannot remember. Went fourth fourth I know fourth, what you're fourth, about. fourth and fourth down. and two they line up in the wild frog they got Shewo running back and. No, it's DeMarcado. Oh, is it Amari? Okay, so Amari's got the ball. Amari's yeah. got, you know, we're running the wild frog, and next thing you know, he's pitching it, and Jalen's running all the way for a touchdown. I think that was –
0: Throwing up deuces at about the yeah, that yard line. Yeah, that, was, that was not only
1: a, a, a great moment, just part of a, a great win for them, but an excellent play call for them, and and it was probably the the, the best play of the most important game of the season.
0: I will concur with that, Daniel. You got any highlights that you want to lift up here? Best play, best moment of the season. Uh,
2: the best moment is always when you beat Baylor, no matter what. I concur. That is all.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna offer a contrarian view, and this is gonna make me sound like such a homer. It's not even funny. The day after the Ohio State game. Because even though we gave that game away and could have won it, that was one of those moments where everybody's like, I, I remember people on ESPN saying, hey, if there's 15 teams better than TCU in this country, let me know. Uh, even though you know we, we fumbled that game away, you know intercepted that game away figuratively and literally uh the frogs showed up in that game and they played well and all people talked about was how fast TCU was and how much damage they were able to do against Ohio State and you know I think about that Darius uh, Anderson touchdown run Trey Heights catching that pass that was there was a great play against Ohio State that won the Big Ten, and people thought should have been, some people thought should have been in the playoff. But they represented themselves well on a national stage. Everybody that watched that game knew that it was two or three plays that changed it. Um, there's no margin for error against the big boys, and, and we had we had enough errors to give the game away. But strangely, I felt like we did really well in that game, and I thought it was worth highlighting because. We almost have forgotten about it with, with the injuries and transfers and all that kind of stuff and losing to Kansas. But I thought the Frogs played well in that, even though they should have won the game. And I can say that without any sense of irony. Uh, I, I felt like TCU represented themselves well on a national stage and didn't get embarrassed. So uh, I know there's more standard than not get embarrassed, but I, I really like the Ohio State game in terms of, hey, we're OK. We're OK. So I nobody thought that the team was going to go seven and six after that game. So I guess that's why I kind of have it uh, elevated so high, highly in my mind. Well, we are going to move on here real quick. We want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Teen Life. If you haven't yet, go online to teenlife.ngo, find them on Facebook, find them on Twitter. They are a great local organization that does everything they can to provide resources for junior high and high school students and DFW and beyond to have the skills to succeed at life. So if you, like I, want to see young people thrive and excel in this culture and utilize all the gifts that they've been given in spite of obstacles that they may be facing, I would encourage you to make a donation or go online to volunteer at teenlife.ngo. Great, great organization that is proud to sponsor the FrogCast. I want to thank our good friend Jeff McCain that helps make this possible. Go support teenlife.ngo. We're going to have some fresh ads and some fresh content about them in a couple of weeks, but we're grateful for their sponsorship and support of the FrogCast. Well, really quick here, and I actually mean it this time. Let's just talk about basketball for 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 two minutes. I'm going to put you on the clock here, Jeremy. You were down there for the Baylor game. The Frogs got a win. So Big Twelve, you know, one and zero in the Big Twelve, which is better than Kansas right now, who got beat by Iowa State. Uh, what's your assessment of this basketball team going into Big Twelve play now that they got that one win under their belt? I think the Frogs are twelve and one. They're one and zero in the Big Twelve. What's your takeaway from where the Frogs stand right now on the hardwood?
1: Man, I hope they were shooting free throws today. Oh my Ooh. goodness.
0: If I had a quarter.
1: Man, they were tough down the stretch yesterday. <laughs> I mean, it was it, it it got pretty bad. It got pretty bad in the second half. And I'll admit it, man, when RJ, RJ Nimhard went to the line late in the game, I thought, man, he's gonna clank both of these and but he nailed them. He nailed them and, and, and that really changed the fortunes. But uh, they're playing good basketball. They're playing good defense. I think the win over Baylor was was uh, a pretty solid win. Baylor's better than what people are giving them credit for right now. They've got some pretty good, good players. Makai Mason's a pretty good player. Uh, Tristan Clark's a pretty good player. Uh, the Matthew Meyer kid was cracking us up, man, because this this kid is a is is a kid. Billy Wessels was sitting next to me, and he was making jokes, saying, "There's no way people are allowed to call this kid Matt. You better call him Matthew because he just seems like the rich white kid." And we looked it up. Of course, he's from Austin Westlake, but man, he was just, he was. It was that so or Southlake Carroll.
0: Those were the only two. Choices. Yeah,
1: I mean, we're, we were we were looking for. Okay, he's got to be from Highland Park, Southlake. He he's got to be from somewhere. And of course Ain't he's no West. from Austin Westlake. But yeah. <laughs> so this this kid is like, as soon as he comes onto the court, we're like, okay, we can't take our eyes off number twenty four. Because he's he's making these hand gestures. He's 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 talking some smack and he's every everything he does good. He's he's making sure everyone in the stadium knows about did it. He smack, did he smack he the it, floor? It, no, he didn't smack the floor, but he 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 did the raise the roof, I think, one time and uh but they, they've they've <laughs> Baylor's got Baylor's got some some pretty decent athletes on their team. I I, I thought it was a pretty respectable win. And and, and the Frogs did it without Jalen Fisher. Jalen had his knee drained and uh, I don't know how many days ago it was, but I, I know that's why why he missed and it was bothering him uh during the uh Diamond Classic uh over there in Hawaii. And and so they got it taken care of as soon as they can, but as soon as they could, but uh, you know he they, he wasn't out there, so they they had to start RJ and RJ had a pretty good game, and and responded pretty well. He had two three pointers, ten points on the on the night. Didn't turn the ball over, but um, they they do need to add, add more depth. They've only got eight kid eight kids going right now, and they need to. a needs to get healthy. I mean, obviously, Caden Archie's gone. He's he's transferring. I, uh, I will post that it's not a done deal that he's going to Illinois unless they've done that by today. And I just didn't notice it, but, uh, SMU is actually a team to watch out for, for Caden Archie and him transferring. So beyond, be on the lookout for that. I had, had a, a, a buddy of mine that, um, pretty good insight with SMU. Let me know that SMU might be a destination for Caden, but uh, overall the, they're, they're doing they're playing really well they've won nine straight it's tough to win nine straight no matter who you're playing they're playing better defensively they they didn't turn the ball over a whole lot against Baylor and it was at one point in the game last night that they were up by 19 points and man if they would have finished with uh, with a big win like that and being 19 points I mean that would have opened even more eyes but I still think uh, it, Alex Robinson said it best after the game I think three or four years ago, TCU would have lost that kind of game. They would have. Yes. They would have succumbed to the pressure. They would have found a way to lose that game. But they've got senior leadership, a guy like Alex that can control the floor uh, and knows how to, kind of, you know, just just make everything that seems to be failing start to start to look good again. And, and that's what he does does as a senior point guard. He's he's just that leader. But Overall, I know you hate it when I talk bad about refs, Jeff, but man, the refs were terrible.
0: They were hot trash down the, that's, that's down, down down the stretch. Football refs. Get it yeah, right. go ahead. Trash the refs.
1: <laughs> Football refs always, always get it right. get it right. Get it right. Uh, no, All but man, they review. were they were making some very very questionable calls. I mean, very questionable calls toward the end of the game. Yeah. And it was. It was. Uh, you could tell it was frustrating. Jamie is frustrating the team. The foul that Desmond Bain got called his fifth foul on trash. was about as much trash as you can look for. Total trash. I mean, and, and Alex got called for just holding his arms up basically one time. It, it, it was just bad all the way around. But, man, they, they, they fought through it, and I know I've gone way over two minutes talking about it, but I'm so happy for the team that they're, they're playing well. And, hey, we got a good one to watch coming up next against Kansas. That's going to be a fun one.
0: That is going to be a fun one. That will be a fun one, yeah. We are we're going to have to learn how to be a, f- a basketball podcast. That's the bottom line. So I've uh, I've scraped off the schedule, make sure I I, I get, have the channels that carry all the games because I think this is this is an NCAA tournament team, and you know I I don't know the guy's name off the top of my head. This shows how much I follow KU basketball. Their their big guy is out for the season with an injury, and this, if 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 there's any year for somebody to knock off Kansas. This is the year. And I know we've said that for like the last 12 (laughs) years.
2: um, Is it Perry Ellis?
0: No, he's actually really frustrated with the government shutdown because his social security application has been delayed. I don't think it's Perry Ellis.
2: (laughs) I thought he was still on the team. It's only been about 12 years now.
0: It might. No, Perry Ellis was on the 85 Bears. And then he went pro in something other than basketball and then went back to college.
1: (laughs) So if y'all've watched, if you all watched the first, because TCU and Baylor kind of had a bye the first real night of Big Twelve basketball. I mean, I yes, guess they did. Every teams every team's going to go through it, <clears throat> but watching most most everyone's played two games already, and we saw Iowa State beat the brakes off of Kansas yesterday, and through through two games, who do y'all? If it's not Kansas, who do you think has a great chance?
0: I'm going Tech. I, I think Chris Beard's yeah, a great coach. I was going
1: to say the same thing. You
0: know, I want to say Iowa State. I think they're a good program. I like I like their coach, but you know, man, you you, you got to go. Take, if you if you swing at the king, you bet, best not miss. Is that what it is? You come at the king, you best not miss. Chris Beard's not intimidated by he if he's he's not intimidated by Bill Self, and so I I think Iowa State could beat Tech. But I think Tech can beat Kansas if it matters. If, if they had a game to win the Big 12 regular season title against Tech and KU, I think Tech could win that game. And I think they could win that game at Fog Allen. So I also think Texas is sneaky good so far this year. So uh, I know, you know, I don't want to say Shaka Smart's on the hot seat, but they've been frustrated with his performance. I'm going to go with, I think Texas is a dark horse in the Big 12. They're going to they're gonna do some damage in the Big 12 is what I'll say. That, that, I'm gonna
1: agree with you on Texas Tech. I think if it's not Kansas, Texas Tech looks pretty dang good. But it does open the door for TCU. They they've got to improve does. on some things. But if this if if there's a year, man, what a way to wash away the bad football memories Ooh. for TCU to go out and win conference in basketball.
0: That would be that would be just fine. That would be total. That would be a, such an equal trade off. That would be an unequal trade off of which we are the beneficiaries of. That's the bottom line, man. That would be the bottom line. All right, real quick here. We're going to get to questions from the board, but I'm going to ask you guys two questions. Number one, Bama versus Clemson. Who do you have? Daniel, you taking the Tide or you taking the Tigers?
2: Bama, sadly. I'm getting tired of it. It's very boring.
0: Yeah. Jeremy?
2: Bama. They've been my
1: prediction along with Thousands of others the whole year.
0: Give me Clemson. I think they beat him.
1: Bucking the trend.
0: Bucking the trend, yes. I'm going to buck the trend. I'm going to go with Clemson. Uh, Second question, hypothetical, yes or no. In five years, will we have an 18 playoff? Yes or no, Jeremy? No. Daniel?
2: I am pessimistic on that.
0: I'm gonna go with yes because the Big Ten will get left out for the third straight year. So I'm gonna go with yes. I think the I think that they will have an 18 playoff here when they get a chance to re up the contract pretty soon. So I'm gonna go with yes for an 18 uh, college football playoff.
1: I want there to be an 18. Okay. Trust me, I, I I've wanted there to be an 18 since the beginning. Mm-hmm. I just think there's I think there's too much money involved, and I think. I think the the cynic side of college football loves the fact that so many people. It's the most talked about thing the whole year. Like out of everything, out of every sport there is, besides the Super Bowl, I mean, people are talking about the top four college playoff. It, It it generates so much discussion, and when you have that kind of discussion, it's great for your sport. Mm-hmm. And I think if they went to an eight, they're gonna look at it, well, we're not gonna have that much discussion. We're not gonna have it's not gonna be the who's in and this and that and marketing's gonna go down for it. And I, I think that's part of it. I and like I said, I I want there to be eight teams. I truly want there to be. I think every P five school should get an automatic bid and then you you take uh the three at, at large. large.
0: I, I, you know, honestly, I can't decide. I kind of like that it's a tight circle to get in, and I and I know that that's uh, that puts that puts my team at, at, a, at a deficit on that. I can just go ahead and admit the contradictions of that. I do like a fourteen playoff. I don't want, I don't know that I want an eighteen playoff, but at the same time, I think, I think that's the only way TCU is going to get get in unless they run the table because you're just so stuck on hoping somebody else loses, and we see that you don't get the benefit of the doubt. Um, with uh, with TCU being a one loss team, we just we we've seen that. I know that every year is unique, and I get all that kind of stuff. And we didn't have a Big Twelve title game, but I I, I can't quite decide because I love the regular season. So this this is what it would be though, if you had an 18 playoff and all five P5 conference games were essentially playoff games that you're you're looking at, at playoff games there. I think that would jack the interest up. I think that last that Thanksgiving weekend people would be locked in because. Hopefully yeah. you're having that's an elimination weekend, and then the next weekend is elimination weekend, and then you get your eight team tournament. I, I think that that could generate some interest, but I also think it reduces what is already a small number, even lower, of non bluest of the blue bloods that could win a national championship. Because last year when Bama got in. I knew they were going to win the whole thing even though I didn't think they deserved to be in because they're a team that can win two games in a row and they're and then win in three games in a row do you realize how crazy that is for uh, for a team to be able to, to to beat three elite teams in in a in a, a four week period or something like that that would that, yeah. that's a small group of people that can do that and so let's say you get in and you knock off Clemson let's say you're a seven seed and you knock off number two Clemson well the next week you're playing you're you gotta you you got to you got to get up and do that again against a, a team that's gotta be that's that's gonna be really good so I I think it reduces the likelihood it gets more teams it, you increase access but then you reduce it to only the excellent teams that are going to win it all um not that it's not like that now but that's I, I I'm just really torn as a fan of the whole game. Now as a TCU fan, I want an automatic bid if we win the Big 12, and, you're, and you win, you're in. That should that should be what it is. But I I just think it's yeah. so hard. It's so hard to look at that.
1: Can we all agree that probably the the most pissed off fans of this college football season, playoff wise, was Ohio State, because here here you had uh you had Oklahoma fans. You, Oklahoma deserves to be in. They've got Collar Murray. Well, then they go out and get their butts stomped by Alabama. <laughs> yeah, they made it interesting in the second half, but man, twenty eight nothing to start the game, Ooh. and then Notre Dame, Notre Dame, <sighs> uh, somehow they 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 totally missed the thirteenth data point or whatever. They're still in it, and they get totally annihilated. And then you have the Georgia fans that are. Man, if we were in there, we'd have been making some noise, and they get their butt stomped by Texas.
0: I didn't like watching Texas win, but I loved watching Georgia yeah. lose. I loved watching. Man, if, they, if they'd have just been hitting it hard on the field as they were on Twitter during the OU game or the Notre Dame game, they would have, uh, they oh, would yeah. have won. I, I love it You reap that. what
1: you sow, man. Yeah. I, I tell you. And-, and
0: also don't lose by 21 points to LSU. Can Maybe maybe that's what you should focus but, yeah. on. Yeah.
1: I, I, you know, the – uh, it was cool to see the Big 12 have that kind of dominance. I mean, you yeah, love right. or hate Texas, you're you're, you know, it. it I don't, I don't care one way or another. The only thing I didn't like about the whole thing is when Sam Ellinger got up there and started saying we're back. I was like, oh gosh. Yeah, he's he's Please got the
0: Baker in him, man. Which only goes back to what Daniel and you and I were talking about, which is that moment that uh, they're they're not in that game if we don't throw that interception.
1: Yeah, I can agree with that.
0: They're not in that game. Although I, I got to admit, I did like watching a steer break through uh, a, a fake <laughs> fence and go after a dog dressed in red. I mean, like I don't know anything, but I do know that if you wave a red flag in front of a bull, it's going to come racing at you. So,
1: why is it? Why is why does everyone keep saying uh, Uga took off? Did you not see the leash that was wrapped around his neck where the trainer yanked? The dog up. It wasn't like the dog leapt up in the air like he did.
0: Did you see the back of the reporter that had his back to Bevo that was getting a picture of Uga, where he got scraped by the steer?
1: Yeah, I saw that.
0: <laughs> that man, he better have some pretty good workman's comp for whatever you know offbeat newspaper he's working for. So, all right, peta got-
1: ha, peta has peta has demanded that they don't use live animal mascots anymore
0: uh well that's good for them congratulations they had their 30 seconds <laughs> all right jeremy i'm gonna give you these questions and you're gonna you're gonna answer them as quick as you can and then i'm gonna cut you off if you go too long because we've gone over an hour are you ready to go lightning round let's go any possibilities of signing a kicker in february yes or no a field goal kicker.
1: uh lane no right now
0: what are the uh, do we have? Are, do we have any strong interest from Vernon Broughton and James uh, Sylvester? Is there any chance we land either one of those? Yes or no.
1: Uh, Sylvester is definitely liking TCU. I haven't heard much on Broughton.
0: Okay, when will we get our first twenty twenty commit?
1: I think it'll be in January. Junior days are coming up. Uh, they'll probably be having a junior day. See, they didn't have anyone on this past weekend. The coaches are in San Antonio for a coaches convention. They'll, uh, Catalan and those guys will be in town next week, so they're going to be showing primary focus to 19 kids. Okay. So I think the first junior day will probably be the weekend after, and I, I think it'll be late January when they get their first 2020.
0: Good to know. Uh, the linebacker out of Virginia, Asante, did I say that right? Yeah, when is he scheduled to visit? And do the frogs have a chance of ripping him out of the Commonwealth? I
1: think he's coming in next weekend. I, I have to verify that, but I think I know he's coming in, and in, uh, I, I think mid-February. So that would that or mid-January. Sorry, uh, so that would put it around that timeline. And from what I've been told, they feel like they have a really good good shot at him. Everyone thinks he's going to. Virginia Tech because they're in his backyard, but I've been told that he's not really sold on Virginia Tech.
0: Interesting. But foster defense is good, but hey, man, come play for Gary Patterson. All right, and our last question uh, from Warfrog. I'm going to get him a shout-out here. Do you know how the sausage is made? People are always saying, I don't want to know how the sausage is made, but I'm a curious person. So if you know how it's made, I would love to hear about it, especially on a podcast. A podcast about sausage being made would really make my day. So I guess we're going to go ahead and block out our next episode on how the sausage is made. (laughs) To quote Billy Madison, everyone in this room is now dumber after you spoke. Yeah. (laughs) That was a good one. (laughs) That was a good one. All right, we are going to bring this podcast to a close. As always, we appreciate everybody that listens. If you haven't yes, please go sign up for HornFrogBlitz.com. We'd love for you to be a part of our message board. You can find all the information as we sprint towards signing day, which we're going to be talking about exclusively over the next couple of weeks here on HornFrogBlitz.com. Great time to be a member of this uh, online community. And if you haven't yet, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes as well as your podcasting app of choice. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Follow us on Twitter at TheFrogCast. Uh, TCU. And you can find us on Facebook as well. Uh, we, lo- we love love it to interact with fans. So please feel free to write us. Please feel free to give us some feedback. We appreciate everybody that takes the time to listen to this every week. I know we got some uh, fairly pseudo famous listeners. So if uh, if you're listening to this show and kind of in the shadows, give us a shout out. We'll, we'll let everybody know that you're uh, giving an official endorsement of this broadcast. So as for always, for Daniel and for Jeremy, I am Jeff. Thanks so much for listening to the broadcast.